Good evening. Good evening, everybody. The, the title of my message um, is called Veil or Eyes Wide Shut. It's a subtitle. Now, as Pastor was saying, um, when I came here, I was a totally different person. I was steeped in sin, um, living a reprobate lifestyle. Um, and it was only be- when I got Jesus in my life and the Holy Spirit in my life that I was able to see what reality really is, what, what real life really is. And kind of what God has put on my heart recently is that... Um, <laughs> is, <laughs> is um, that you can be living a life that you think is right and you can still have veils over your eyes where you don't see things as he wants you to see them. So tonight I want to hopefully um, illuminate some scriptures that talk about veils, um, some situations um, that I've came to understand recently about four or five months ago, which I'm going to talk about a little bit tonight. Um, and then hopefully the Holy Spirit will do what he do and remove the veils and allow us to live life to the fullest in Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. Now, on the turn, first to Ezekiel 33, verse 6. Amen. Okay. It says, it's there. All right, everybody's there? He says, But if the watchman sees the sword coming, it does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes someone's life. That person's life will be taken because of their sin, but I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. This right here um, struck me because as I was learning what I was learning over the last few months, I started realizing that there's a lot that people just don't see in the body and out of the body. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail tonight. I'm going to talk about just a little bit of it. But I realized that, like Patrick said a few moments, it's really frustrating when you see something and you want to share it, and people are like, no, nah, that's not right. That's not true or that's not real. It, it literally drives you crazy. I'm like, I know God is showing me this. But I, I, I felt when Pastor Eric asked me to share a message, I wanted to share about veils. I'm going to just be kind of general tonight, okay? Now, I would like to also turn to Second Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 24 to 26. Now, this is my family's mezuzah statement, and this is kind of why I feel like I feel. It says, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Um, opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive's will. That right there is how we are living in our household. you know. And I, I've experienced recently on my job, a couple of people I've been talking to about the gospel, and they are um, gently, like it says here, I'm, I'm in love, and they are livid with me right now. They don't because I'm pointing out in love that hey, listen, I understand what you're saying and how you feel, but that's not what Jesus says. That's not how you live your life. You don't see things correctly. So it's, God is bringing it to my attention. More and more people um, just throwing them in my face, literally, who don't see things correctly. For my family members um, to work everywhere, you know, I had a little disagreement with a. Uh, a guy of Islam at the gas station, and he was asking me, you are um, a Christian? I said, yeah. He said, what are your views on liquor? And I said, well, the, the Bible makes it clear. All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Um, so if, if liquor is a problem for you, don't drink it, you know. But um, for some people, it may not be a beer or a glass of wine. And he said, well, in our culture, it's really, really bad. Um, um, Allah spits you out of your mouth. And I said, well, in your culture, you can marry many women. You can beat your women. I said, I don't necessarily know if that's the most holy way to live your life either, you know, as opposed to 
drinking wine. <laughs> so we there going back and forth, um, and um, I was trying to help them escape from the um, snares of the devil by just illuminating that there's some things that you're not seeing clearly either, you know. Uh, Pastor made an awesome joke. He said, well, maybe they feel that way because it's easier to um, not drink and um, to beat your wife. It's easier to not <laughs> to put them up. <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. But um, <laughs> I said, that was okay, interesting. But that's my family's misuse statement. Now, veils are used throughout scripture. Um, they have um, multiple meanings. The normal meaning is something that covers you, you know, that you, you know, people can't see your face as Moses when he came down from the mountain. Um, but veils also have a more spiritual meaning in which um, it clouds the reality of God's truth. You can't see it clearly because you have something. You can see, but you can't see it clearly the way it was meant to be seen. Does that make sense? Yes. So there are three things I recently came into understanding that we are constantly at war with all the time, you know. And um, in Christendom, the veil is if I fix this one, I'm okay. But then there's two other ones that are on your, on your tail that uh, destroy us. The three things that I've learned is that we are always at war with Lucifer in the spiritual realm. You know, Ephesians six twelve talk about that. The second thing that we are at war with at all the time is we are at war with our flesh. Until we get a glorified body, we fight with this. You know, fight with what you want to say, how you feel, lustful thoughts, all of that. We're constantly warring with that. And the third thing we are at war with is the world. The world is always throwing stuff at us as believers that we have to fight against. And that's what I'm going through at my job right now is the world is saying this is acceptable. And I'm saying, no, that's, that's not, it's not, it's, it's completely wrong. And the moment I mention Jesus, people say I'm a, a Jesus freak or I'm crazy or amen. what have you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. So I want to point out that you may get the flesh under control, you know, through reading the word and discipline. And then you may go out and the world may hit you with something that, up. So we need to be aware on all three faces. The world is always at war with us believers, our flesh until it gets glorified, and the spiritual realm around us. So those are three areas that are important to me. Now, months ago, I was watching um, British television. I kind of have a access. <laughs> I know, I know it sounds weird, but um, I like to watch the news around the world. So I may watch what's going on in Israel, what's going on in Britain. I like to see why people think the way they think on subjects and we say one thing in America, they say another thing in the UK, they say another thing in Israel. I want to see why they're saying those things. And I happened to be sitting up, it was around about 1.30 at night, I couldn't sleep, and um, this person was talking about the royal family of the UK, and they love the queen, they, they, they adore them, you know, so he was just speaking with so much the queen, and she's descended from nobility, and she's of royal lineage, and you know, her bloodline goes back hundreds and thousands of years, and and, and I'm like, Okay, let's get ready to see what this is on, you know. But in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit illuminated me something to something. And I know when it's God because I'll get fixated on it and I can't let it go. It, it's, I just have to unravel this mystery that God has thrown in my face. And what struck me as interesting was he kept talking about the bloodline, you know. And I was wondering, well, what makes them noble and me not noble? What is it about their blood that they say they're of noble blood and my blood is ignoble, you know. So that sent me on a... About a six-month study, um, and I'm not. It, 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 it is literally a trip, you know. And and the thing about it is, you, in the midst of learning about the kingdom of darkness, if you're not careful, it'll pull you into it. So we got to always keep Jesus as our filter in in everything we do. Does that make sense, we, oh, Jesus? But what I learned, I'm going to share a little bit about tonight. Um, 
why they feel that they have no blood. And these are people that are running the show around the planet, you know. Um, but again, I want to say that Jesus is a filter. Um, without Jesus, we have nothing, okay? Right. We don't see clearly. Now, in the ancient world, literacy was for the royalty and the nobility. Uh, military commanders also were literate, and the priesthood was literate. Now, that was kind of how the royal system was. In Islamic culture, not Islamic, but um, Hebrew culture, um, the Levitical priesthood's responsibility was to make sure that every Israelite or every Jew knew the Torah. So it's completely different how the world was looking at one way and how the people of God was another way. Everybody had to know how to read. Everybody had to know how to um, do numbers so they can actually worship correctly and understand the Torah. In the world systems, that was set aside for the ruling class, the nobility, the military commanders. So I'm just kind of showing you the duality of how one system is over the other, how God wants all his people to know about him and the world wants to control. Um, in John chapter 9, verse 39, I want to talk a little bit about this system, the world system. Jesus said, for judgment I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. That's a powerful statement, and I want to kind of unpack that a little bit. What I, in my studies about that scripture, at that time, the religious community, the Sanhedrin, was um, kind of controlled by the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the Essenes. You know, there's some other sects that was with that, but those are kind of the primary ones. And um, they all differed in their beliefs on their belief on God and how you should worship and how you should live your life, kind of like all of the denominations we have today. There's really no difference. It's the same spirit. Um, take from that how you will. Um, um, <laughs> but um, we have all these different views of how we should worship God. And the Bible makes it clear. It's no, it's no confusion. But people don't read it because their veils are over their faces. Um, the religious establishment knew the scriptures, at least intellectually. Um, they were supposed to teach the people the word of God. But they didn't at that time period. And Jesus, when he came, he made it very clear that um, I've came in this world that those who are blind will be made to see and those who see will be made blind. I'm talking about the religious community. Um, they used the education that they had to create an elite social status for them and a financial base. Um, again, sounds like the churches of the day. We have all these pastors that are buying million-dollar jets and mansions and same spirit. you know. And I'm, So I'm trying to show you that even in our community today, that same veil is there that was there thousands of years ago at the time of Jesus. Amen. Now, if you turn to John chapter 3, verse 1, this is a perfect example of that. There was a Pharisee, a member of the ruling class, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. If you jump down to verse 10, we're going to read 10 through 11. He's speaking to Jesus, and Jesus says, You're Israel's teacher, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we've seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. Jesus right here is telling him that, you don't know what you think you know, you know, just in this, just being real with that, you know. And this was one of the ruling council, you know. He knew the Torah, and he still didn't know it the way Jesus wanted it to be known. And so we have to be very clear when we're studying the scriptures that we are really taking on the heart of King Jesus in everything we do. Amen. Amen. He was also saying here that Nicodemus should be able to see, but he was blind, you know. And Jesus was also letting him know that I'm coming to unveil um, your eyes and your heart. Now, in John three nineteen verse nineteen through twenty one. I want to turn there. Oh, we're there. Uh, <laughs> um, he also says here, "This is the verdict: Light has come into the world, 
But men love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. And that's our society we're living in right now. You know, I, I, I was um, in my break room the other day at my job looking around. Just sometimes I just sit there and I just watch people, um, not in a weird way, but just observing <laughs> people. <laughs> and I'm seeing um, ladies on um, the mirror looking at the faces in the mirror and their whole conversation is about what they're going to do with their hair and how they're going to get done. And then looking at guys, looking at them, looking at themselves and I'm looking at just looking at all of the stuff. And just in that little one little cafeteria. I could see that nobody, in my opinion, had the heart of Christ. There was nobody there trying to do anything righteous or holy. It was all the world system. You know, the veil is everywhere that's around people's yeah. eyes. Um, and, they don't, and they don't want to be unveiled. They want to stay in their sin. They want to stay in the darkness that they have. They love their, their life. I remember hearing a pastor um, teaching about hell. And he says, I wonder what is it so fascinating about hell that everybody wants to go there, that everybody's dying to literally go there, you know. And he says, because I don't see anything um, exciting about it at all, but it's because people love the sin and people don't really have the heart of this word. Amen. So these men, um, in verse 21, if we go there, 321, it says, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. Okay, that's, that's powerful in itself. So that they may see plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Sight of God. So true followers of Christ Jesus are able to see clearly. And, and I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm building up to something. But I just want to let y'all see that there are veils everywhere, all around us. Amen. Um, these blind men professing their sight look down on ordinary people. Talking about the ruling class back in the time of Jesus. Um, the primary reason that they hated Jesus was that he was interpreting the word of God. Because he was the very word to the ordinary people. He was taking their power base from them. And, and, you know, these were the religious leaders. He was saying, this is what this means. This is how you live this life. Um, it was also, you know, like knowledge is power. And um, he was empowering the ordinary people. Now, this was a war between Jesus and the Pharisees. But also in the spiritual sense, it's darkness against light. You know, yeah. just plain and simple. Even as a youth, he confounded the wise men in the temple. So even when he was a teenager, he was speaking the truth and just blowing away all the blind. They were astounded in the temple at Jesus' knowledge of the word. And when I speak, even when I speak to other pastors, and that's one that worked at my job, cool guy. But some of the things that he says, I'm like, you, you're a pastor and you, you know the word and it's not this. It's the same spirit that's going around. So I'm sharing tonight about us seeing clearly and not having any veils around us. Amen. Now I want to turn to Jeremiah chapter 5, 21. Okay. He said, hear this, you foolish and senseless people who has eyes to see but do not see and who have eyes to hear but do not hear. That one is just as plain as day. You know, there are many people who claim to understand something they really don't. We had an encounter with that recently where somebody told us they knew the word. It was at my house actually last night. Um, they knew this is, and it was just blind um, of, of the truth to God. I'm not insulting them. It's just the fact of the matter was the veil was there. They didn't see it at all, you know. Um, Matthew chapter 13, verses 13 through 15. This is Jesus talking. He says, this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear. And they do not hear or understand. So Jesus if we go to 14, he says, In them is fulfilled a prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will ever be seeing, but never perceiving. And 15, 
For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand what their hearts will, and turn, and I will heal them. And that's the simple explanation is that if you turn to Jesus completely, you will see correctly. Amen. 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 Second, I want to go to Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses ten through twelve. There, there. It says, "In all their ways, that wickedness deceives those who are perishing, and they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved." The reason why I'm saying these things again, brothers and sisters here tonight, is because um, it's been put hard on my heart. And I'm, I'm encountering um, people with the deception, and I'm going at it. The moment they bring it to me, I'm, I'm bringing it to them of the kingdom. But God has put it on my heart so strong recently that I, I'm, I'm seeing people literally everywhere around me, you know, even um, my family members, that I'm, I'm feeling compelled that I need to go. And you get mad, you get mad, you, but I want to have you actually see who Jesus really is and escape the snares of the devil, you know. Amen. The time is growing short, you know. And nobody's promised tomorrow. We don't know our expiration dates, you know. Some of these family members may never wake up and we had the opportunity, we had the very word of God and we didn't help them remove the veil like it was done for us. So it's, it's extremely important to me. Even the Apostle Paul, he um, had a veil of his face until Lord Jesus struck him in the middle of the road. And um, he couldn't see clearly. He thought, you know, he's one of the ruling class as well. He thought he saw clearly, you know. And my point is saying is a lot of people in, in the body of Christ think they see clearly. But if it's not all this, you're not seeing clearly. You still have veils on. Amen. It was, and also, if you look at the story of Paul, thank you, Tamika. He, um, <laughs> he always counted Tamika, huh? They, um, but also another thing about him is that only after he got up and did what Jesus told him to do did he attain true sight and salvation. Amen. So that's a message in that also by itself. Amen. So I want to go back to Second Corinthians chapter three and go to verses fourteen to seventeen. It says, Their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Now, this is talking about the Jewish people, the people of God. You know, what I found interesting about this one when I was studying about the different veils was that these people were the very genetic descendants of Abraham. Okay. Their whole Torah was about the Messiah to come. Everything they learned was the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming. And then when he finally came because of spiritual veils on their face and how they chose to love sin and not love, not love the Lord, they couldn't even see God when he was right there in their place. How many times do we are in a situation where we refuse to see the word of God and we are missing what he has for us right in our place? I know there have been times when I've been, and I'm going to just bring it home to myself, when I've been so irritated about a situation and I felt justified in my anger um, that I was right. But the Bible clearly says, put your gift at the altar, go back, make amends with your brother, and then come back and worship the Lord. And I'm holding on to this and I'm missing the very presence of God in my life because I'm veiled with my justifications or I'm veiled with I think I'm right or I'm veiled. This is the only way, my brothers and sisters. Amen. Uh, I want to talk a couple about um, some of the illnesses that um, the Lord has cured. Because I want to just kind of harp on the fact, whoever may be listening to this, is that um, in Jesus, you know, everything is fulfilled. 
Um, certain illnesses in the Bible were looked as curses from God. If a person was blind, um, that was looked at by the, the Hebrew culture as a curse from the Lord. If a person was deaf, they were looked at as a curse. It wasn't like an ordinary sin. That was like you was actually cursed from God because if you couldn't see the Torah or hear the word of God and how to worship God correctly, you was actually cursed by God. And it was considered to be a messianic level of miracle that can cure blindness or cure a deaf person. And Jesus did that. Um, the man that was lame, Jesus calls him to get up. He said, take your um, your your mat and walk. You know, when you study that mat, that word is etz um, in Hebrew, and that word is tree. You know, any kind of wood product, a pencil is an etz, the mat is an etz. But what Jesus was telling that person was, get up, take this, um, your cross, and don't sin anymore. And so in Jesus, um, the blind see, the deaf hear, um, the lame walk in Jesus. Even with the woman with the issue of blood, you know, I just want to kind of harp on her for a little bit. She did what she, what she wasn't supposed to do. She wasn't even supposed to be near the community because of her uncleanliness. Um, but she pressed in to touch Jesus. And people always look at the story from the part that she didn't give up. She pressed in to receive a blessing. But I want to look at it from the perspective of our king is that when she touched him, he became defiled according to Jewish custom. Okay, And she received her cleaning because he became defiled. But it's, it makes it very clear in Isaiah 53, 4. It says, he took our diseases and bore our infirmities. Um, so he took on her sickness and her weakness. And, her, and, and Jesus, all of that is done. You know, he bears our infirmities. So you can't see clearly without Jesus. You can't walk correctly without Jesus. You can't be healed effectively. We all defile without Jesus. Amen. So salvation is only done um, through Jesus. And even when a person receives um they want to come and get saved at the altar. I've watched it in this church a lot. And it's such a wonderful body of God. But when a person says, I want to go and receive Christ, that's not because of what a pastor said or a brother said. It's because the Holy Spirit quickened them. And they decided based on their obedience with the scripture, they desire to know Jesus, to move forward and receive salvation. So again, everything is in Jesus, you know, via his Holy Spirit or his very presence or his word. It's all in Jesus. All the veils are torn down and removed. So I... I wanted to make sure that I kind of clarified that um, before I got and talked about a little bit what I wanted to say um, about other things that I've been studying. Now, one more thing is in Hosea 4, 6, and everybody should know that one. He says, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. And because you rejected knowledge, I will also reject you, and you will not be a priest to me. Um, that one is kind of a, a one that sticks with me all the time because it's like, you don't know this, God will reject you. You need to study his word, know his word, and actually be in his will in all things. Now, I want to turn to Genesis chapter 13. I'm going to get a little bit more into the veils part. I'm going to read verses 14 through 17. Are you all following with me where I'm going? Okay. I was looking up veils in the scriptures, and um, this was something that I found interesting. It says, the Lord said to Abram, after a lot of part of him, Look around wherever you are, where you are, to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west. All the land that you see, I will give you to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. God, go, walk through the length of the breadth of the land, for I'm giving it to you. Now, if we go back to 14, the Lord spoke to Abram after Lot, Lot had parted from him. Lot's name means veil. In Hebrew, okay. So prior to this happening, Lot's herdsmen were arguing with Abraham's herdsmen, and there was a bunch of chaos, a bunch of drama. Only when the veil 
departed from Abraham, then God spoke to him. So we can a lot of times could be in contentious situations and we don't see again things clearly, you know, because Lot, if you, some of the decisions he made, he didn't see clearly when the land he went to, he didn't see clearly, he didn't see clearly a lot of things. His very name means veil in Hebrew. So when he was removed from Abraham, then the Lord spoke to Abraham and said, look up and look right where you are. All this you see around you, I'm going to give it to you. A lot of times, right where we are, everything we need is there, you know, Amen. but we, we can't see clearly, you know what I'm saying? I was, um, I'm going to tell a little bit of my, a little testimony. Um, I was um, offered um, a job that was going to pay me a lot of money, but it's going to require me to leave my home and my wife and my family for three months and be gone, you know, so no church, no Tuesday night fellowships, no Friday nights, no, no nothing, just gone and just working. But I would have made a lot of money. And um, I spoke to two of my brothers here, Brother Damien and Brother Steve, and they gave me some godly counsel. And then I, I was still had the veil because all I was thinking was I can make this much money every month and I can pay all these bills and I can do this and I can do this. So I still wasn't seeing clearly, even though I heard the word of God. And I went to my pastors. I spoke to both Wade and both Matthew. And I said, this is what I'm faced with. I'm, I just want to know what your opinion is. And they both said almost identical to what Damien and Steve said, you know. So it was clear to me that God was speaking. And if I chose to leave, who knows what might have happened on the other side. But my point is saying that is that um, we will even let um, situations um, that we feel are important interfere with the judgment of God, you know. So I, I decided I'm going to put it aside. And I'm going to be obedient to the word of God. I'm hearing from the men of God. And I'm going to just keep on pressing through. And since I took the level of obedience that I did, obeying the word of God and removing the veil that the enemy was putting in front of me, um, I've had clients come out of the woodwork um, needing services. Even today, it was stressing me out because I'm trying to finish the message so I can share it tonight. And I had two people call saying, I need you to come and do this sale today. And I'm like, okay, Jesus, come first. Let me, let me just turn the phone off and go focus on Jesus. But I want to say this is that. When you remove the veils, you see clearly God will speak to you and show you what's right in front of you. The blessings that you have in your life right there. Amen. Another place where veils are shown is Genesis chapter 29, verses 23 to 25. This is the story of Jacob um, and Leah. It says, when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob and Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as her attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this? What have you done to me? I served you for Rachel, Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? You know, and if you go back to verse 23, when you look at these words um, from the perspective of um, not just of a shot, but you look deeper into the words, some um, evening means... Um, darkness, you don't see clearly. It's like a veil, um, you know. So he didn't bring Leah to him when he could see her clearly. He brought her to her when it was already night. So the veil was there with that. And then when the woman presented herself, I'm sure she had a veil over her face because he didn't recognize her even when he was with her. So the veil obscured him. But if you're told in the next verse, in verse 24, uh, 25, I'm sorry, it says, when morning came... In the morning, he was able to see clearly. Morning stands for revelation, enlightenment, illumination, and also mourning. So when he could see clearly, he realized what he had slept with. You know, what are we in bed with as believers um, that we're not seeing clearly because we have veils in front of us? Amen. (laughs) 
What are we in bed with that we don't realize? Um, it's right there in our life. What sins got our eyes not seeing clearly? What what things are we not doing according to the word of the Lord? Last night um, at our little study we had, um, I asked everybody in the room, if you stop breathing tonight and you was out of the body in the presence of the Lord, do you feel you'll be given eternal life um, in God's kingdom? And um, most of the room, with the exception of one holy person, um, oh no, not, not talking about you, I'm about, but yeah, most of the room, um, <laughs> I wasn't insulting you, said that um, they, was, um, they didn't think they were going to attain salvation based on how they live their life right now. And that's important that we realize where we are right now. You know, we, it's important that we see clearly right now. Because, again, none of us is promised tomorrow. You know, can any of us say in here tonight that if you stop breathing tonight, are you 100% sure that the Lord would say, well done, my good and faithful servants, enter in? Or would he say, be gone for me, I never knew you? And that's why I want to talk about the veils thing, because that's kind of what God has been leading me. It's like, even myself, I couldn't answer that question and say, I think I'll be in heaven, because I know too much of... I'm still fighting with the flesh. Um, so I'm trying to pull these veils off and be obedient and stay in a repentant place so that I may attain good and well done, my faithful servant. Amen. Amen. In Isaiah chapter 25, verse 7, this is the Lord talking. He said, on this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. God is talking about the spiritual blindness of the Gentiles and how death is something that he's going to tear off and he's going to reward them and bless them with so many good things. It's his, his goal for us is for us to see him clearly, to worship and clearly and have everlasting fellowship. You know, um, in Second Corinthians three fourteen through 16, we don't have to go there. We've already um, read, it, read it, but he's talking about the spiritual blindness of the Jewish people. Um, they couldn't even see to this day, but um, prophetically, they will. You know, they will come to Christ. Amen. Now, I want to go back to the royal families as we kind of near a close. And as the pastor said, my message was kind of streamlined, so I want um, you to get the... Thank you, pastor. Um, the royal families, from what I studied over the 18 months, um, eight months, excuse me, eight or nine, was there about 13 families. You can truly say are royal families on the planet, you know, in my research. So what makes them royal and me not? Because we got our king when Saul was appointed king because the people kept asking for a king, but God was meant to always be who our king and Lord and Savior was. But in the process of looking at them, um, they honestly feel, just like we believe that Christ is our Lord and Savior, and he's God Almighty, God incarnate, and the man of Jesus, they actually believe that their bloodline traces back thousands of years um, to um, gods, you know, or as we call them, fallen angels on the phylum, Tower of Babel. I'm not going to get into all of that. But they literally believe if you do, and I don't want you doing the research, it's crazy. But if you do research, they really believe that they are descendant from immortal beings. They have the blood in them, and that would make them have the divine right to rule everybody else. Throughout history, you'll hear different kings that I have the divine right to rule, I have the divine right to rule. And they honestly believe that, you know, and, and we know that um, Jesus it's the true bloodline. Yeah, he, he came to upset and turn all it over. So although they're doing what they're doing behind the scenes and they believe like they believe, Jesus is the true bloodline. You know, the blood type is JC, you know, not any other one. Amen. There was an um, uh, individual that I was, was going to show you. His name is Edward Bernays. Um, he was known in 1920s as the father of public relations. And the reason why I'm mentioning him it's because he's very prevalent in what's going on with the mankind today, uh, um, the United States. 
what he was saying in some of his books was that um, the masses of people um, should be manipulated on, at the subconscious level in order to promote the survival of democracy, which is in reality, reality the agenda of the elite. Um, he stated in an, interview, in an interview that the populace needed to be manipulated by an invisible government working behind the scenes. Um, and he says propaganda is the executive arm of the invisible government. Now, he's also known as the inventor of the press relief. And I'm not going to get too deep into what he believes and all. But in 1920s, he threw on. And, and when I say this, think about how society is now since 1920. And I'm going to let you know what this one man who served the elites who believe they are divinely right to rule and they, their, their job is to govern us masses of people because we don't know how to govern ourselves. Um, he stated that um, in a, he did an advertising campaign targeting women to smoke because back in those days in the 1920s, it was kind of like looked at as you're uncouth as a woman if you smoke. Men smoke, but women just didn't do that. So he was doing a social experiment, if you will. And what he did was he called a bunch of um, advertisers and said, there's a bunch of um, women rights marchers out here, and they're going to light up cigarettes to signify the, their torches burning to freedom. And so he had a bunch of young models out there, and all throughout the crowd is Easter parade. And in the process of that, he kind of gave the signal to all the young ladies, and they all lit up cigarettes, and they said, we're burning our torches to freedom, and we're, we're down with this, um, you know, men control this. And, but... He manufactured an event that was reported as truth, and now women are smoking all over the world. Okay, that one act of veils, you know, people yeah. didn't, you know, and he went from that. He's also one of the persons that you've heard this on TV a lot. Um, nine out of ten doctors say this, or um, nine out of ten dentists say you should use this. He learned that if you have the leaders of people speak that this is what we think it should be, then the people will blindly follow. So this is all over our planet. Um, even breakfast now, we eat bacon and eggs because they said um, 7 out of 10 um, people say that bacon is the way to go for breakfast. So now everybody gets up in the morning to eat bacon and eggs because of what this man instituted back in the 1920s. So I'm, I'm saying that is because even with how our everyday life is, we don't always see things from the source of where they came from. But again, in Jesus Christ, um, that's all the clarity we need. Amen. When I started studying the royal family, um, I learned um, that they all have a similar, a same blood type. You know, it's RH negative. I'm not going to get too deep into that either. Um, but I want to say about it is that um, this blood type is only 15% of the world population have it. Scientists today don't know where it comes from. It's not natural um, to humankind. Um, all of our presidents, with the exception of one, have the same blood type, and they all related to one another. So it's, it's a lot of things that, you know, that are in our face, and we don't see them like they should be seen. Um, but what I want to say in closing is throughout our history, um, there have been those people who felt that they had the right to rule because of their bloodline, their nobility, their class, their wealth. Um, and Jesus came again to turn it all upside down. Um, the blood type that we should focus on is having the blood of Christ. Amen. Amen. And um, I want to conclude in Second Corinthians three sixteen through eighteen. It says, "Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away." Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transferred into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Hey, are there some eye-opening things that Brother Curtis is sharing? Look, um, whether we're talking about a political institution or a monarchy in another country, Understand that there is a prince of the power of the air, and he is a propaganda specialist. This is why today, when you hold up a Bible, people think boring, even though they've never read it. This is why many of the assumptions that people make in their life that we were addressing last week don't have their origins in the throne of God. They have their origins in the pits of hell. And... It is a lifelong process to remove the veil from our eyes that we might see what was given to us from heaven versus what was staining us from the earth. How many of you can look back on your thoughts in a week and realize, oh, so many of those thoughts, they, they didn't flow from the Spirit of God. They flowed from anything but Curtis gave us three sources they can flow from your own flesh they can be implanted like inception from the world around us or they can be spoken to us from a demonic source and being veiled to that not seeing it causes us to make decisions that are not godly they cause us to go down roads that aren't godly and The longer it stays veiled, the more embedded it becomes in our life. And pretty soon you end up saying things like, well, this is just the way that I am. Yes, but is it the way that you're supposed to be? I love preaching and teaching that begins to pull back the veil, that begins to remove it. Jesus' body was torn that you might actually be able to see. He poured out his blood is a salve for your spiritual eyes so the question then remains for us as a congregation it's so easy to pardon yourself absolve yourself and say well now that I'm in Christ the veil has been taken away but how many veils have been removed since you've been in Christ how do you know how many more you have to go See, the broken and contrite heart that falls at the feet of the Lord and says, help me, I'm not seeing correctly, is the one that he helps to see correctly. The one that claims that he already can see, he becomes guilty of sin because he's actually blind. What these messages are aimed at is total dependency on the Lord. Re-examining of the stands that we've taken, re-examining of the way that we make decisions. Can I tell you, if you've been married any length of time, you've got veils in your life. Soon as they get challenged, it gets rough. If you've been in Christ, many have been removed, and yet there are many to go. I loved what he said. It was when Paul stood up and began to do what Jesus told him to do that the scales fell from his eyes. Can I tell you how clear things become when you move in the direction he tells you to move? We're going to take just a little bit of time. We're going to worship him some. And here's here's how we're hoping you will play. Curtis has brought so many good things into my life. 
helps me form new neural pathways every day helps us take our place in that new heavenly species we're going to take advantage of the high honor of the nobility of the blood of Christ but we're going to do something we're going to acknowledge his royalty our lack and ask him to make us royal by removing the veils of the things that we're not understanding you know what kind of things I would expect to come up you may have to forgive somebody you thought you had forgiven you may have to go do something that you thought was okay to be left undone see these are the kind of veils that we wear and the word of Christ will pierce them and then whether we have rh factors or whatever it is that we you know what we will have we will have the blood stain of Jesus Christ which is noble because of its actions when we act like Christ we're stained with the very blood of Christ there could be nothing more honoring to him tonight than for you to identify an area of your life that has to change has to move and then do it and do it immediately is that is that something that you want to do because we're family Curtis spoke to you like family we're going to go ahead and stand to our feet pray with me and then move as the spirit causes you to move father we're asking you in the name of Jesus Christ to reveal to us the areas that we have allowed to be veiled in our life veiled to the shining of your spirit veiled to the piercing truth of your word veiled because we have loved darkness when we should have loved your light lord will you come tonight will you remove the scales from our eyes lord will you help us to see that we might follow after your footsteps we love you and we want to see you as you truly are high and exalted in our own lives be exalted in our actions lord be exalted in this place tonight we honor you by tearing the veil from our eyes in the name of jesus we dedicate this time amen